listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Is everybody ready for, what's that holiday that's coming up? <laughs> New Year's? Everybody ready for Christmas? Yeah. Excited for Christmas, like for reals? Real excited. So this is what happens. I don't know if that was sarcastic or not, but here's, because <laughs> here's what happens. We get super excited. We can't wait all year for Christmas to arrive. And yet, it seems like the closer we get to Christmas, we can't wait for it to go away. So we can put everything up, and then we can get on with our lives. But each year, the arrival of the decorations and the tiny little shining lights seem to signal and suggest to us that we're entering into the season of joy. And it's supposed to be, what, the most wonderful time of the year, right? Is that true? It's, it's the most wonderful time of the year? Is that true for everybody, or is it just the pie in the sky kind of thing? The reality is when we enter into the season, it's so busy. We're, all of a sudden, we're so anxious. Everybody's like, what's that noise? There's a light that's going crazy back here that's like. Uh, so you'll hear it and then just forget it, all right? We'll be fine. <laughs> um, but this time of season seems to reveal a lot of the stress and anxiety that was already present in our lives. It's just magnified at a different level. And in this Advent series that we started each of the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day, we're focusing on how do we position ourselves, how do we posture ourselves spiritually and perhaps even physically into this posture of watching and waiting for God to show up. See, the hope is that every heart would prepare him room as the song goes. But we can only do that by making space in our lives for Jesus. It's not going to happen by chance. Only when you and I actually make room for Jesus is it going to happen. Yes, it's true that Jesus shows up in unexpected ways in our lives, but the reality is it seems to be far in between. But the more you and I deliberately show up for God to show up in our lives, it's amazing what happens that God actually was already present there. Last week, we talked about how Advent is a time of darkness and silence, and we wait for the promised light. We reflected on how the people of God waited for 400 years to hear a word or an action from God because they were in anguish, they were suffering, they were waiting and watching for the Messiah to arrive. Wendell Berry, the famous American poet, writes about Advent as a season in which it gets darker and darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. We also remember the season because we are people who await Jesus' return. This is central to our Christian faith, that we are a people who declare that, yes, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, but that Jesus will come back one day. 
Jesus will come back one day. The reality is that we don't always live with this reality in mind. It seems to be far from our minds that we live many different ways, but not with the fact that Jesus is actually coming back. This is what we refer to as his second advent. Wendell Berry goes on to call us the people of the longing in between, in between the first advent and the second advent where we wait and watch. And yet in the midst of this waiting, anxiety seems to to creep up on us. It has roots in many different places. If I were to say, who here is not anxious about anything in your life, raise your hand. Because if I said, who's anxious about something, I think all of us would raise our hands. But what is anxiety, really? Medical news today says anxiety is a normal human emotion of worry, fear, tension, or apprehension about what is to come. See, every one of us experiences anxiety. The intensity varies from person to person, but we can all agree that anxiety is never pleasant. However, when anxiety is extreme and it persists over an extended period of time, it can be incredibly debilitating. Such cases are referred to as anxiety disorders. Some of us have lived with these types of disorders for many years. Anxiety disorders include generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, phobias, and social anxieties of many different kinds. That is not what we're talking about this morning. But yet, even those of us who have dealt with this and are dealing with this, I think the truth that we're going to look at this morning pertains to us all. In 2019, it was estimated that around 4% of the global population suffered and suffers from anxiety disorders, and that number has only grown since then. The Oxford Dictionary defines anxiety as feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Psychiatry defines anxiety as a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsion behavior or panic attacks. There are more people that suffer from heart attacks, strokes, and end up passing away between Thanksgiving and New Year's than any other time of the year. Why is that? And yet, during the most joyful time of the year, it seems like our grief seems to get heavier and heavier. And the memories of those we love and long to be with seem to be more pronounced during these holidays. Why is that? I don't know. But I wonder if we could position ourselves in such a way that makes room for the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us, but also speak to our anxieties. Advent is a great time for us to actually stop, to be still, to wait, to watch, and to respond to the Spirit's leading. Like literally stop at home. We don't have to wait for a heart attack or a stroke in order for us to stop. 
It's many ways the body is telling us to slow down, but create those moments, the space in our rooms, in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, in our studies, wherever it is, in the kitchen. For some lady, it was her car. Make some room to literally stop and sit down and listen to the voice of God. Many times we come in touch with what's really inside of us that we've struggled to hear, that we put away, we pushed down, that we've tried to ignore and escape from for many years, and yet that's the very place where I think God wants to meet us many times. But to stop and to slow down, put your phone down, turn off the TV, quit being so obsessed with the World Cup. Anybody know the score? Right, there's, a, there's a game going on right now. So my thing is like, here's the thing. Create that space to actually slow down with the purpose of waiting and watching for God to show up. The famous comic strip, Peanuts, which became a holiday TV special and movies that are both enduring and, and endearing, often addresses the anxieties felt by children, which, by the way, children ages 7 to 13 are experiencing a high level of anxiety more than ever before in our society. They are anxious about their looks, about money, about fitting in, about their friends, about what they're going to go to school, about their grades, so many other things. Educators in the house, am I wrong? All of a sudden, these kids, younger and younger, are suffering from all these anxiety disorders at a really young age. should give us pause and concern, not anxiety, about what's happening. At any rate, Charlie Brown, the main stay wishy-washy boy who takes the forefront of the penis gang, is often plagued with anxiety on so many levels. In one frame, we see Charlie Brown make the statement that even my anxieties have anxieties. And it's this whole idea that his worries about tomorrow are heaped on top of what is agonizing him today. And I wonder, do you feel that sometimes? Do you feel that right now? Anxiety torments us about the things that haven't even yet happened or will never happen. Things that are completely out of our control. It's like pulling up your weather app, seeing what the forecast is in the next 10 days, and seeing how you should live your life today. And we, and we do that so many times. Anxiety is common in humanity. It lives on a spectrum, and we don't know exactly how it creeps up, but it does, but we know when it arrives because we feel it. And J.D. Walt has a take on anxiety, and he reads this way. It might rub some of you the wrong way, but we're going to unpack this, because it did for me when I read it. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. You're like, but I have anxiety. Does that mean, is that not up there? Uh, thank you. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. And you're like, but I have anxiety. Does that mean I'm not aware of the presence of God? We're going to unpack this. Paul gives us the reminder for dealing with anxieties in our lives in Philippians chapter 4 by telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving and present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, thanks, Luis. Let's pray. Let's go home. We're good because all I have to do is not be anxious about anything because the Bible says it. So let's just do it. I'm just going to be happy with everything. Everything's just peachy. I don't think this is what Paul is alluding to, to pretending that everything's fine or just mere positive thinking. He's actually pointing to something very important for us as followers of Christ. And I wonder, do we hear this? Do not be anxious about anything. And I asked earlier, is anybody anxious about anything? You're like, man, so we're, we're going up against God's word here. But I think this is true for all of us. He's telling us not to enter into anxiety, to be anxious about anything, because he understands that we are anxious about so many things in life. It's manifested physically in our lives, in the way we treat other people. We become irritable. We can't sleep at nights. We can't sleep well. Therefore, we can't eat well. We become just short-tempered with people. You know what I'm talking about. And suddenly you're like, that's not me. That's something that's happening. That's, That's stress. That's anxiety manifested in us. But the way do not be anxious about anything begins to be translated also as be aware of the presence of God in all things all the time. Be aware of the presence of God in all things all the time. That stressful situation that either you're enduring right now or that you're dreading because you know you have to face it over the next couple of weeks. Be aware of the presence of God in all things all the time. When we forget about the presence of God, I think this is to J.D.'s quote, that we're forgetting the presence of God, that anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God in all things. As a pastor, as a father, as a leader, I've been taught and encouraged, not always a good job of doing this, of being a non-anxious presence. In my line of work, I have the honor and privilege of sitting front row to many of your all's life's issues. Thank you for that. And I'm not talking about what we see on social media. People invite me in to see certain things. I get to hear about people's worries and anxieties that range from big global issues, war, safety concerns, election anxieties, health concerns, virus scares, everything happening in people's lives. And yet, I also have to deal with the realities of of running the business of the church along with our team of operations, facilities, budget, staff, everything else. But I also get invited into more serious matters, like the impending death of a loved one, marriage struggles financial hardship, dealing with a new, newly diagnosed disease, a couple who's unable to conceive, dealing with gut-wrenching, messy, dysfunctional family dynamics, people who have endured abuse, rejection, the loss of a job, a broken heart, Addiction. And this is where I really have to rely on the presence and peace of the Holy Spirit. 
if I'm going to be of any kind of encouragement or light to people here in our midst. So how do we do this? As we take it to God in prayer. And many times is, God, will you show up in this situation? I don't know how, I don't know where, but will you show up? We have to constantly remain a non-anxious presence in the midst of chaos. And we do this by taking these requests, even some that come through our prayer wall, always open during our worship service. So these are really tough situations. On the phone for about 35 minutes yesterday with a good friend whose wife is in hospice. Give her no more than two weeks. And to be a non-anxious presence. And yet, this seems to breed some anxiety in our midst, in the midst of our chaos. And yet, Jesus can speak peace to our chaos, to our disorder. Anxiety is the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. There's a promise in Isaiah that says, for unto us... A child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We sang about this this morning. In order to try to, to make a little bit more sense of this Prince of Peace part, we're going to look at the first advent of Jesus in his life. And it's in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus and disciples are, are heading across the Sea of Galilee, an intense storm begins to ensue. Now, it's typically known that in the Sea of Galilee, storms just rise up all of a sudden. The waves were breaking into the boat. They were taking on water. And all of a sudden, the disciples became extremely anxious about what was happening. Now, these guys were raised Jewish. And there was a Jewish understanding, and there was a prevailing thought that storms and waves had a deep spiritual origin, and that, that ultimately these storms were created by demons. The story is also told to us in the book of Matthew. And Matthew describes the storm as a shaking. It was something violent that was happening. It's in the midst of this storm, the disciples are all freaking out about what's happening, and then suddenly... They turned to Jesus, and Jesus was just sleeping. He was just chilling. He was very bougie. He had his own little cushion. He's sitting here on, on the boat. He's tired from ministering to the crowds. When you read the text before, they get on the boat. Jesus is like, I'm out, take a nap. And the disciples wake him up, and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he reminds me of us many times. That we're living our life, things are happening, and all of a sudden we hit a storm and we turn to God. Do you not care what is happening to me right now? Do you not care about my family? Do you not care about my protection? Do you not care about my future, my retirement, my health? Do you not care, God? Have anybody ever done that? Or is it just me that gets crazy with God? You know, like we, we turn to God. We're like, what in the world? At this point, the disciples didn't really know who Jesus is. He's still revealing himself to them about his power and his purpose. And they're not looking to Jesus to do something about it as you read the context. They're more looking to Jesus to see if he's gonna join in into their anxiety and their panic. Because they were aware of Jesus and what he had done in previous moments. But they wanted Jesus to 
join in their anxiety. And I imagine when Jesus wakes up, he does one of these. Little cushion marks on his face. A yawn. And looks at them. And then looks at the wind, that which is invisible. And rebukes the wind and the waves. And says, peace, be still. At once, the waves and the wind obey him. And there was a great calm. Jesus' words brought peace to chaos. Jesus had healed several people up to this point. He'd even shown that he was God by forgiving the sins of a paralytic. He showed exercise authority over the spiritual and over the physical as well and gave him ability to walk. See, the disciples didn't expect Jesus to actually exercise authority over the wind and the waves. And suddenly they went from having fear of the storm, there's a great calm, and now these guys are now filled with fear toward Jesus. Because they asked each other, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Remember, there were beliefs that this was of demonic origin, and now he's once again showing his power over that. They were anxious about the storm, and now they're anxious about Jesus. Here's the thing. Their circumstances had changed, but their hearts didn't change. I think this happens with us many times. Our circumstances change. We ask God to do this and do that for us, and he does. And yet we take that very same anxiety that we've been carrying for years, and we take it to wherever we go, and we portray it in every situation. And yet the anxiety that God wants to relieve is not around us. It's in us. It's the peace within us. So they're no longer fearful of the sea, but of Jesus. And Jesus brings the storm not only around them to a calm, but ultimately their hearts. See, a deeper look at the word that Jesus employed when he said, be still, reveals the Greek word employed in Mark chapter 1, verse 25. And it's, it's not just be still, but it's be quiet. Be muzzled. It's the same word that Jesus is used only one other time. That was to close the mouth of a demon-possessed man who dwelt in the graveyard. Kind of shows the authority of what was happening around Jesus. Many scholars also point to this time that, that perhaps it was Satan trying to take Jesus and his disciples down. What a great opportunity. There's a storm. Whoops, the Messiah drowned along with the disciples. He doesn't have to go to the cross. There's no forgiveness of sin. God's plan is foiled. Why not take an opportunity? But Jesus is pushing through for a greater purpose. Yet in the midst of the chaos, Jesus brings calm to the natural realm and to the unseen spiritual realm as well. He is again beginning to reveal his authority, his power to his disciples with his very presence. And I wonder what about for us What's our reaction with our impending storms in our lives or the ones we know that we're about to, to traverse? What, what, what does that look like? 
Are we calling out to God just so that he knows in indignation of how dare we be uncomfortable in this life? Even though when Jesus said you, you will be troubled, you will face troubles in this life. Or do we really believe that Jesus can actually calm not just the storm around us, but the storm in us in some fashion? The contrast from the stormy chaos to great calm is not to be missed. Jesus was calm the entire time because he is in authority. He's over all things, even the storms and anxieties in our own lives. And that's hard for us to, to forget sometimes in the midst of incredible anxiety. In Colossians chapter 1, Jesus says, uh, the Bible says about Jesus, for in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, it is normal to not fully understand what the future holds and what God desires to teach us through the storms of our lives. We may not comprehend what God is doing but I wonder, can we trust that Jesus is big enough, strong enough, smart enough to handle the storms in our lives? And I don't know what storm you're facing right now, but do you have the faith to say, you know what, God, is to face this decision that was made, this divorce, death, disease, feeling, fill in the blank. God, you're in control. See, it's in the storms it's so easy to forget the goodness of God. But I want to invite us to remember God's promises, his provision, his power, his mercy, his faithfulness, how he has been present in our lives. Remembering, the act of remembering will bolster our faith. This is one of the reasons we gather as God's people is to remember the goodness of God, his faithfulness, who he is, where we've come from, what he's done, and what he will do for us is to remember. I believe one of Israel's greatest sins was forgetfulness. They forgot who God was. They forgot what God had done for them. And Jesus was calm in the midst of chaos. And he's able to calm our storms within us today. The Prince of Peace imparts peace to us in the midst of whatever circumstance we're facing. In the book of John, chapter 14, says, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the darkness, our anxieties, I'm sorry, in the midst of the darkness of our anxieties, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world will try to offer us all sorts of pseudo-peace. It will leave us longing and more chaotic and disordered than ever before. But do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so what does that look like in our lives? I think most of you got a sheet on the way in. There's two columns. And this is an exercise in waiting and watching of where we are. And you got the label on the left column that says things that are bringing me joy. Some of you, you can write a lot of stuff there on that column. Some of you will struggle to write one single word and what brings you joy because you've already depleted. That's okay. 
And then you got the other column on the right, things that are causing me anxiety. If you need more paper, you can grab another sheet on the way out. <laughs> you can use the back, right? Really small. Because here's the thing. There's so many different things. We have broad categories, and when you push in those broad, broad categories, suddenly they're very specific things in our lives. There's pens, most likely, one of the pockets in front of you, one in the chair behind you. I don't know, this isn't a very common exercise for you to write down what brings you joy and what gives you anxiety. But it's important to get these things out from the shadows and into the light. Start with the left column, read them out loud. And upon completion, I want you to pray for yourself, taking one at a time. Father, I thank you for, and you fill in whatever you filled in the blank, and I rejoice in you. Again, I take joy in you. This isn't about happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Joy transcends our circumstances. Something the Spirit of God cultivates in us. Rejoicing in the Lord has always been a way of magnifying his blessing and the joy in our very lives. Now, the list on the right side, also read them out loud, one at a time, is a prayer to God. Father, I give you blank, whatever it is you wrote down that is giving you anxiety. Here's the beautiful thing a lot about prayer, is you don't have to explain it all to God because he's been there. He knows it might make you feel better, go for it. But God knows exactly what you wrote down and why you wrote it down. Make that space in your life to go through this. And I ask you to, maybe the inverse of that. Maybe you're sitting there and it's like, I don't even know how to pray for this. This is where we ask the Spirit of God. You begin to have a conversation. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to proceed with this? Because I've been carrying this for way too long. It's dominated me. And I don't know, every time I enter into this meeting, every time I go in this place, I'm, I'm riddled with this thing. Like, Lord, how do you want me to proceed? Because I don't know anymore. I know other brothers in here who have gone to other brothers and shared stuff, and you begin to pray over each other and begin to move forward. So regardless of whether it's, it's debilitating or not, the level of anxiety, it's, if you're facing anxiety, begin to enter into this. We begin to see God's faithfulness revealed in our lives. We begin to experience a different level of freedom. But I want to go back to that text in Philippians, in verses 4 and 6. And it's hidden right there in plain sight for us. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And it's right there between rejoice always and be anxious about nothing that we find this, but let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. To your chaos, to your anxiety, the Lord is near. God wants us to live a life empty of anxiety. But that's not always the case at 100%, right? But what we can remember is the presence of God all the time in every circumstance with us. And to say the Lord is near. This is why when I pray for many of you, whether away from you or with you in person, I ask that the Lord would draw near, that the Holy Spirit would draw near because that is a promise of God. And in his presence, in his coming near, something begins to happen. Something begins to stir in and around us. 
And we can declare together that the Lord is near. Yes, I'm anxious about my future and a big decision that I have to make. And what about this and money and health and my kids and the holidays and everything else that we're wondering about in our relationships? The Lord is near. And we can declare that together. The Lord is near. And we get to draw near to the Lord this morning as we remember the light of the world piercing the darkness through communion. And this is something beautiful for us because the Lord drew near to our darkness. He drew near to our despair. He drew near to our sin, to our brokenness, to our fragmented hearts. And he says, you know, I will be broken apart so that you could be whole. I will be poured out so that you can be filled. The question is, will we receive it? Will we draw near to him as we are? When we do communion here at Foundry, this isn't our table. This is an exclusive table. Just as Christ's sacrifice on the cross was for the entire world, this is for all, all who want to be at peace with God. And before we go into communion, I want to invite you just to close your eyes for just a minute. And that might seem like an eternity right now. But begin to thank God for, his, for the way he's been faithful in your life. the way he's provided, for the way he's giving you life, for the people in your life, for the breath that you have. Begin to thank God for the health that you have. You are alive. Thank him. Thank him for the forgiveness that he's given. And press into that now. Lord, I am yours. Give him your pain, your grief, your anxieties, your stressful thoughts about work. He cares. He knows. And in doing so, you're declaring the Lord is near. So yes, Jesus, draw near now to us in every way. And Lord, you drew the most near when you gave yourself up for us. In the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he says, this is my body. He took the bread He gave thanks, and then he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples. He says, take and eat. And every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, when the supper was over, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Through it, there is forgiveness of sins for you and for many. And every time you drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. That in this, he drew near. He was broken out of love for us to restore our brokenness. And he was poured out to fill us with his love and his presence. So Lord, we ask for your blessing over us. 
gathered here today, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these elements of wine and bread. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be one as we serve you and draw near to you. I want to ask those that are going to serve communion to come forward and take your spots. And the way we do communion here is I encourage you to put your hand in type of, of a cross, crossing your hands this way, and receive the wafer that's going to be given to you. You take that. We do it by intention. That's a fancy word for saying we dip. So you take that wafer and you dip it in the cup. And normally we just take it and we go sit down again. But I wonder if today might linger a little bit. If you want to linger up here and kneel and pray between you and God, you may. If you want prayer, I'm going to be on this other side right here. Love to pray with you. But you want to take it back to your seat. Some of you already started that list in your mind. And thank God for his presence, for his faithfulness. The band's going to be leading us in music. And I always forget how we do this in this venue, but... To the left, everybody go to your left and then come forward. Here's, come on up. And if you mess up, it's okay, because I do all the time. <laughs> but the Lord is here. The Lord is near. And the table of the Lord is open. Amen. We are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.